G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Why has Jesus not come back yet? He's waiting for more people to believe. To Christians, the prospect of the soon return of Christ is an exciting thought. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us have the right attitude as we wait. And we can grow impatient. Lord, come on, return. I'm so tired of this horrible world. Come for us, okay, yes. But you have a job to do. We have a job to do. We need to reach more people with the gospel. There's more souls to be saved. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. For many kids, as the days count down to the end of a school year, there's so much excitement. No more homework, no more tests. But those final hours of the school year can go by so slowly. A lot of us feel that way about the return of Christ. We're excited to see our Saviour, but we've been waiting a long time. Well, today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out the reasons for the wait and shows us what God would have us do with our extra time. I don't know if you heard this recently, the doomsday clock. You ever heard of the doomsday clock? Top scientists and security experts moved it to 90 seconds to midnight. By the way, this is the closest this clock has ever been. And it's a reminder that even non-believers know we're living in scary times. Things are shifting, things are moving quickly. Things are moving at a rapid pace as the Bible said they would in the last days. Because Jesus compared it to labor pains when a woman is getting ready to deliver her child. Uh, The labor pains get closer and closer together until the baby is born. And that's how Jesus said it would be in the end times. These events would compress and be closer. And doesn't it seem like that's happening right now? Every time you turn around you're like, wait, what's, what's going on? It's a simple message that everyone seems to be getting collectively. Jesus is coming again. And I know that stresses people out. Not that Jesus is coming, but when we see so many things going wrong. And they've even coined a phrase for it. It's called doomsday anxiety. Which includes, according to an article, the fear or worry about the end of the world or life as we know it. Symptoms include chronic nightmares, an underlying feeling of fear, an obsession with the news, or doom scrolling, doom scrolling through online media. So you get a buzz on your phone, you look at it, and you read something that startles you, and that causes you to be alarmed. So what should we do? Well, the Bible says when you see these things begin to happen, freak out, right? (laughs) No, that's not what it says. Jesus said when you see these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption is drawing near. You know, it's really important for us as Christians to understand Bible prophecy. 
Bible prophecy is basically what the Bible says about the end times. And not only is it important for us to know about it, but there's a blessing attached to the person who studies Bible prophecy and specifically in the book of Revelation, it says blessed is the person who reads and hears the words of this prophecy and keeps the things that are written in it for the time is at hand. Now I know some would say, well it's really hard to understand Bible prophecy. Well, I don't know that that's true. Because it's not God's desire to conceal, it's His desire to reveal. And to the point the very word revelation means the unveiling. And that's why Jesus when speaking of the abomination of desolation in Matthew 24, He says let the reader understand. Why? Because we need to understand these things and what they mean to us today and it should impact us in the way that we live. When we study Bible prophecy, it's not there to tantalize or entertain us. It should motivate us to personal godliness and bold evangelism. First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we're the children of God. It's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. But then it goes on to say this, and everyone that has this hope in Him purifies himself even as He is pure. So if I understand Bible prophecy as I ought to, it will have a spiritually purifying effect on me. In other words, it will cause me to want to live a more godly life. You know, some people love to study Bible prophecy. They're almost fanatical about it. They bring out all their charts and here's, here's what's gonna happen next. And that's fine to have an interest in it. But some people think everything's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Well, maybe you're kind of going overboard. But then I'll look at some people. It's almost like their hobby to study Bible prophecy. But I see their life is falling apart or their marriage is unraveling or they're living immorally. And as far as I'm concerned, you're missing the point. The point of the study of end times events is to cause us to want to live a more godly life. Heard about an old man that was out fishing and uh, he heard a voice say to him, hey you, pick me up and kiss me and I'll turn into a beautiful princess. He's like, who said that? Again he hears this voice, hey you, pick me up and kiss me and I'll turn into a beautiful princess. He hears it a third time and now he realizes it's a frog saying this to him. Hey, true story. And I'm the old man in the story. This happened yesterday. Not really. So the third time the frog says to the old man, pick me up and kiss me. I'll become a beautiful princess. He picks up the frog and puts it in his pocket. The frog says, I said kiss me and I'll become a beautiful princess. The old man said, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> kind of cool, right? <laughs> See, he missed the point. And if we don't have this impact us in the way that we live, we too are missing the point. Okay, so here we have James now telling us how we should be impacted by end times events, how we should live as we wait for the return of the Lord. James 5 verse 7. Dear brothers and sisters, writes James, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to reap. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. 
for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters. Look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him in the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Stop there. How should we live as we await the Lord's return? Point number one, be patient. Be patient. Verse seven, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. By the way, the word used here for patience is not speaking of a passive resignation, but rather an expectancy as one waits on the Lord. Um, sort of an excitement. Living in a state of readiness. The Bible says, for those that look for Him, Christ shall appear the second time. Look for Him. And so the idea here is, is, is looking forward to it, sort of like a kid on Christmas Eve. Remember when you were a little boy or girl and you were hoping your parents got you what you told them you wanted for Christmas? And you ran down the stairs and, and there it was and you tore the package open? That's how we should be living as we await the Lord's return, with excitement, not some laissez-faire attitude. In fact, Paul in Romans 13 verse 11 says, understanding the present time, the hour has come to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. And then Paul goes on to say this, so therefore, let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Right, so wake up and live a life that is honoring God. Thanks for joining us for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Pastor Greg is reinforcing the value of patience as we await the Lord's return. Glad you're joining us for today's message, What the Lord's Return Means to You. Let's continue. Sometimes it may seem to us as though God is late. You know, the people of Israel were impatient. It had been 400 years since they had heard from a single prophet. 400 years since they'd seen a miracle. 400 years and they had not had a single angelic appearance. But Galatians 5 says, when the time was just right, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that are under the law. And Jesus, the Messiah, fulfilled prophecy and was born in the manger of Bethlehem. When the time is right. And when the time is right, the Messiah will return again. No one knows the day or the hour, the Bible says, but we need to wait patiently. And sometimes, if it seems to you as though the Lord is late, here's this word for you from Scripture, First Peter 3. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why has Jesus not come back yet? He's waiting for more people to believe. And my prayer is that we will have a minimum of one more spiritual awakening before the Lord comes for His church. One more. Maybe more. I think you can make a pretty good scriptural case for 
there being a spiritual awakening before the Lord's return. But that's what we should be praying for. That's why we've asked you all to be praying for revival and, and pray that God will send a spiritual awakening. It will come at the right moment. Martin Luther once said, and he said this to me personally, not really. He said, quote, there are two days on my calendar, this day and that day. That day, the day of the Lord. And we can grow impatient. Lord, come on, return. I'm so tired of this horrible world. Come for us. Okay, yes. But you have a job to do. We have a job to do. We need to reach more people with the gospel. There's more souls to be saved. Have you ever seen that movie, Schindler's List? Powerful film, true story, based on the life of Oskar Schindler, who was a German businessman who hired some Jewish people. He saw some Nazis shoot one of the Jews in cold blood and he was deeply moved. And he decided to spend the rest of his life saving Jewish people from Nazis. He said, and he was played by Liam Neeson in the film, he said, I have a particular set of skills. No, that's a wrong movie, excuse me. <laughs> that's from Taken, another character he played. Anyway, but Oscar Schindler, played by Liam Neeson, was having a conversation uh, with his accountant, Itchok Stern. And he says in the film, I could have got more out. I don't know, I could have got more. Stern says, Oscar, there are 1,100 people alive because of you. And Schindler replies, but I could have gotten one more person. And I didn't. How powerful. Would we say that one day? Oh man, I could have reached one more person. I could have shared my faith with one more person. Why didn't I do that? This is the attitude we are to have. Point number two, as much as possible, stand in unity with fellow Christians. As much as it's possible, as we await the Lord's return, stand in unity with fellow Christians. Look at verse nine. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the door. Don't complain about other believers. Go to them and try to help them. To grumble about means to groan within oneself. It's a description of a person with a bitter attitude who is always criticizing and complaining. Someone might say, I have this spiritual gift of criticism. No, you don't. <laughs> There's no gift like that. <laughs> well, I just see everything that's wrong. Well, that's part of the problem. Don't be that person. The problem with bitter people is they generally can't keep their bitterness to themselves. That's why the Bible warns about a root of bitterness springing up and defiling many. Don't be that person tearing others down. You have a disagreement with someone, go to them nowadays with social media, especially Twitter. People will just attack one another. Christians will attack one another without even understanding the other person's position. And this goes against what Jesus says in Matthew 18, 15 when he says, if another believer sins against you, go privately to them and point out the offense. And if they listen and confess, you've won that person back. Listen, never tear others down to lift yourself up. Never Make yourself look better at the expense of someone else. Oh, well, they don't do this, but I, I do it. And you know, don't do that. The Bible actually says you should not engage in that. Why? Point number three, be aware of the afterlife. 
Meaning you're going to be judged. Verse nine. For look the judge is standing at the door. Christians will be judged. But let's explain that. There are different judgments in the Bible. There's the great white throne judgment. Spoken of in Revelation 20. Where the small and the great stand before God. And the books are open. And a book is open. Which is the book of life. And we read whoever does not have their name written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. That judgment is for non-believers only. No Christian will stand at the great white throne judgment. I don't even think we'll be present at the great white throne judgment. But then there's another judgment the Bible speaks of called the judgment seat of Christ. And that's not a judgment as to whether or not you will get to heaven. As a matter of fact, that particular judgment takes place in heaven. And Paul writing about it in 2 Corinthians 5 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So <laughs> this is not, are you gonna get to heaven? You're in heaven. But this is about rewards. You see, rewards are gonna be given in heaven. Uh, you know, the Bible says, your father who sees you in secret will one day reward you openly. And the Bible talks about different crowns that are given. There's a crown of life. There's a crown of rejoicing. And other crowns listed in scripture that God will give out. So here's when you will be rewarded. Think of sort of like um, the Oscars or the Emmys or the Grammys. You're receiving an award for what you did on earth. And uh, we might be surprised by who some of these awards go to. We think, oh, you know, Billy Graham's gonna get every award. Well, maybe he will. But maybe we'll be up in heaven. And, and the award goes to Maud Firkenbinder. Uh, who, who? <laughs> Maud Firkenbinder, who was Maud Firkenbinder? Did she ever write a book? No. Was she in a Christian band? No. Was she some kind of a preacher? No. Who was she? She was a faithful old lady that was immobilized in her home and stayed and prayed for people all around the world and she was faithful to what God called her to do and she'll be rewarded because her father who sees her in secret will reward her openly. Listen, you will not be judged for what God has called me to do. I will not be judged for what God has called you to do. We will each be judged for what God has called us individually to do. So live the way you ought to be living and make your life count. encouragement today from Pastor Greg Laurie on A New Beginning. His message title, What the Lord's Return Means to You. Next time on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg brings us more insight on how Jesus' return should affect the way we live while we wait. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called What the Lord's Return Means to You. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.